Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I was thinking of this this week. It was 1973. I was almost 11 years old when I heard these words. Steve Austin an astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. And I thought about the $6 million man. We all have areas of our lives that we need rebuilt, right? Can God bring good out of bad? Can God rebuild your life? Can God give you a fresh start and make you even stronger now than you were before? Is God able to do that? Oh, I think about our text this morning, some things that we'll find Uh, There was a 70-year captivity of the Babylonians that had ended and Cyrus had issued a decree in 538 B.C. for the Jews to return to their land and rebuild the temple. In spite of difficulty and delay, the temple was completed in 515. Ezra the scribe went to Jerusalem in 458 with about 2,000 Jews, including some Levites to help in the temple ministry. The emphasis in the book of Ezra is on trusting God for a new beginning and doing his work no matter what obstacles and oppositions are encountered. Although the days may be dark, God is there to guide us, protect us, and help us. I believe that today. Do you believe that? I have a hope in God. I'm not here just mourning the regret of my past. I'm not brooding over missed opportunities of yesterday. I'm living a life of hope, a life of faith, a life of trust in God that as long as there's life, there is hope. As long as I'm here in this world, God has a purpose and a plan for my life. I believe that. I want to see it. I want to seize it in my heart. With that in mind, I want you to stand with me and turn to the book of Ezra. And it's right after you conclude these great accounts of the kings and their reigns, the last book of 2 Chronicles here, moving into the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 9, I want you to find your place there. Ezra chapter 9. Now I want you to think about it. Ezra is saying this prophet of God from the very mouth of God, don't forget what we've been through already. God has already had to deal with our sin, yet in mercy he's forgiven us and he's brought us back home. He's restored us into our homeland and given us a fresh start here. Don't lose sight of that. They were intermingling with those who did not know God. They were sinning. The princes, those who were in leadership, had turned away from God 
And so he says, listen, we've got to be reminded of who God is and what God has done. Read it aloud with me, Ezra chapter 9 and verse 8. And now, for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Thank you, may be seated. A little space. This prayer, this time, this moment is what he's saying. This is our space of grace, don't miss it. A nail, this type of nail was put in the wall and used for hanging utensils. The temple was such a place for a new community. It was a nail in which they could hang their hopes and their future. That God has lightened our eyes that he may do so continually. That speaks of the vitality of this new life that we may see what God has given us that he might open our eyes and we may behold what God is doing. A little reviving, that he may give us a little reviving. Think about it. That speaks of bringing life back to this new community. Oh, I prayed this week, God help me to not die before I die. Some of us used to live for God radiantly, courageously joyously but that's not our reality right here right now but hasn't God been merciful to us hasn't God extended us a measure of grace and opportunity right here right now that can only come from an all merciful hand of heaven is this not where we are this moment In this place, God has given us a space of grace. He's given us a time to draw an eye to him, a time to open our eyes and recognize his mercies, his goodness in our lives, a time to say, you know what? I do believe there's a God in heaven. And that God in heaven has been good to me. In fact, he's been so merciful to me, I failed him time and again, but he's never failed me. There have been times when I've wandered away from God, but God has never wandered away from me. Every time I would come back to him, I found him where he's always been, high and lifted up on his throne. I'm willing to humble myself right here, right now, because if I don't get victory in my own heart, then that's where everything in my life is going to not only rise or fall, but everything else is going to come out of that. I read recently, a man does not yield when the mere universe has turned against him. He yields when his own heart has turned against him. We surrender not when circumstances are miserable, but when we are miserable. I don't know what may be amiss in your life or in your relationships in your home, but I want you to know this today. God is giving you room to make things right. He's giving you a space of grace wherein you can humble yourself and draw an eye to him. That's what God is doing. God is trying to draw us unto himself to show us that he's a merciful God 
who waits for us. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be merciful unto us, Isaiah 30 teaches. We think we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. Come back to me. Come to the end of yourself. Come to the end of your sin. Some of us are lifelong church attenders. We were raised in church. Many of us know the Lord. Some of us don't know the Lord. We know about the Lord, but we don't know him personally. Some of us know the Lord personally by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but we've never grown in grace. We've never cultivated that walk with God, and so we're missing so much. We keep looking for everything in life to line up, and when the circumstances or to our liking, or to what we had prayed and hoped that would be, then we think our life has meaning, and then we might serve the Lord and do His will. I'll tell you, God will use all of those things oftentimes in a very opposite way than you expect to bring you to the end of yourself, to the end of your sin even, so that you might see Him through eyes of faith high and lifted up. God is saying to us today, come back to me. I've given you room to make this right. Don't miss it. This prayer, this this little reviving, this, this open door, this opportunity, make the most of it. Respond to it by faith. God wants us to recognize his power to change us from within. That's where we need change the most, right? Change this person, Lord, change this situation. No, if you get victory, other people will see that in your life. If you say, I'm not at the mercy of people, I'm not at the mercy of circumstances, not because of pride, but because of humility, I have God. He is my portion. In the Lord, I have everything that I will ever need. That's what God reminded me of there as I was walking through the springs of Engadi. In Israel, everything that you have been looking for all of these years, you already have in me, the Lord, witness to my heart. Everything that would give you purpose and peace, affirmation, encouragement, motivation, inspiration, everything you've been looking for, you already have in me. And I thought, wow, praise Praise your name, Lord. Thank you. I think about this, and I want you to turn with me back to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 24, that's where David was. Saul and 3,000 of his men, chosen men out of all of Israel. 1 Samuel 24, they were chasing David and his men down, hunting him like he was a dog, though he had been anointed by God to be the next king, to stand in Saul's stead. Saul, here in our text, went into a cave to relieve himself, left his robe near the entrance of the cave where David and his men were hiding. And the men encouraged him to recognize that in their minds, the Lord had delivered his enemy into his hand. In the last part of verse 4 we read, Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. Think about it. It's like, I will get thee something here to show him how close I was to taking his life. 
and how ultimately I'm not at his mercy, he's at mine. David was going to vaunt himself. That's what his men encouraged him to do. But wait, what happened in verse 5? And it came to pass afterward that David's heart, what? Smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt, the edge of his robe that he had laid aside. The word smote here means to be smitten with a sense that he had done something wrong before God. We would understand it as conviction. This is not right. Immediately, his heart was smitten. He had realized that he had erred before God. Because we read in verse 6, and he said unto his men, The Lord forbid, the Lord, there it is, underline that, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. David had such a profound respect for the office to which Saul had been anointed and chosen by the Lord. He would not lift up his hand to harm him in any way. He would leave the entire matter with God and not take vengeance himself. Now, think about it. That's something that God has been speaking to us in regard for some time now as Joseph's asked the question, am I in the place of the Lord? Oftentimes we want to put ourselves in the place of God and, and that means I'm, I'm going to make a statement, I'm going to prove a point here, I, I'm going to do something because you know what, I'm the next king anyway and I, I'm going to just show Saul I've had enough of this. You better be careful about that. You make it about yourself. This is what I think. This is what I see. This is what I want. You, you got to get on board with me, Saul. Wait, no, 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 wait a minute. Here was Saul, the anointed of the Lord, and David thought, if God put him in that position, it's up to God to deal with him and take him out of it. We're living today to where it's amazing what people say and do without any regard to God, respect for authority, there's no respect. I mean, vilify, doubt, indict as though we're God. We know the heart. We know what God is doing, what God is wanting or not. But David, he thought, well, hey, he got worked up and it's like his guy said, his men, hey, hey, uh, take hold of this. This is your chance. And he thought, okay. And then all of a sudden, his heart's moaning. You know what David was reminded of and so were his men that David was following God because they had a true heart for God. He was not to follow them. They were to follow David. And you know, they would have cheered him on. Oh yeah, we got you to do what we thought you should do. And you know what? They could have jerked him around any way they wanted to. And, and of course, they wouldn't have realized that when they went into it, neither would have David. But had he given him there and followed them instead of following God... God only knows the dynamic and how that would have unfolded and how David could have frustrated the goodness of God in his life and actually worked against God's will. See, we don't give God room sometimes to work. If God doesn't work on our terms and the way we see it, the way we think it, the way we expect it, then we're done with it. I'll tell you what, you better watch that because that's pride. And pride goes before destruction. David here immediately, he said, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. 
I was wrong. And he corrected himself. Have you said something or done something of late that God said, you know what, you, you shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't act like that. And in your own heart say, you know what, I'm wrong, Lord. I have to trust you. I have to submit to you, Lord. We're living a day to where the respect for God and his word is out the window. Isn't that right? So many people think nothing of God or his word or his church or his people or his servants. May it not be so among the people of God. His heart smote him. I shouldn't have done that. Is your heart in such a way in tune with the Lord that God can speak to you or have you just kind of seared your conscience and got calloused and hard-hearted and cynical and think you can say anything, treat people any way you want to. And I've seen people do this before. I've seen preachers do this before. I'll treat you any way I want to in Jesus' name. If you don't like it, take it up with God. I'll tell you what, we, we've raised a generation, and I believe in a good way, that's done with that junk. You know, if we can point people to God through his word, that's one thing. But if we're going to point people to ourselves and our personality and we're just going to try to overwhelm people with our strength or with our forcefulness, God's not in that. And God has revealed much of that from generations past even for those who went down that path and thought, you know, this will be something that I drive. This will be something that I direct. God told me a long time ago, this is not my church. It's not my work. It's his. And I must follow him. I must follow him. David realized that. I need to get this thing right with God. And he did. I'll never forget my father-in-law and I had, were traveling. We're up in the Lexington area and he grew up there. And he saw a fellow back there. We were stopping to uh, uh, get something to drink at a convenience store. And the guy was back there, and I said, hey, how you doing? Hadn't seen you in a long, long time. They talked for a little bit. And then on the way out, I'll never forget my father-in-law looking at me and saying, you know, I was going to tell you something that I heard about that fellow a while back. But the Lord checked my heart. He may have gotten that thing right with God by now. And I'm not going to bring it up. God checked my heart. Does God ever check your heart? He's giving you a space of grace here. I say what I want to say. That's your problem. And until God in his grace shows you that, you're going to dig a hole that you're going to bury yourself in one day. Because God wants us to have the right heart that's sensitive to being corrected. A heart that cannot be corrected cannot be directed. If you want God to direct your steps, you've got to be willing for him to correct your heart. God, forgive me. Lord, I, I don't know the dynamic. I don't know the heart. Only you know the heart, Lord. And I'm not going to put myself in your place and make a judgment and condemn someone that you love, that you saved, that has a true heart for you, that's trying to do your will. Lord, that's not my place. 
That's your place. That's what David realized. Room to make it right. We all need room to make it right. That's number one. Number two, because repentance is a fresh return to obedience. You need to recognize God's power to change you. Repentance is a fresh return to obedience. We won't labor it, but just go with me over to the book of Daniel right after Ezekiel. And you'll see that here. As I've been talking about what God was doing in dealing with the pride of Nebuchadnezzar and then Daniel was being used of God to interpret his dream. But in Daniel chapter 4, make sure you've underlined this verse, verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by what? Righteousness. And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. God has given you space here to humble yourself, to get this thing right. Show mercy to the poor. Unto the merciful thou will show thyself merciful, but unto the froward thou will show thyself froward. People whose hearts turn aside and they deal with a spirit of strife, with this envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work, James said. We feel like we've got to strive. Listen, there again, I touched on that Wednesday night. We're either driven by emotion or passion that comes from our own hearts or we're led by the Holy Spirit, and that's from the heart of God. God, what do you want? I'm going to follow your heart and not my own. That's why he said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now think about it. God can change you from within. That's where we need the change. We all need room to make things right. We all err. Even though we might be genuinely sincere with a true heart for God, we do err. And we need to get things right. We need to endeavor by God's help to keep short accounts with God and each other. Sir Galahad said, I have the strength of ten men because my heart is pure. Some of us are weakened and compromised in our spirit because we're double-hearted, double-minded. You have a mixture of faith and unbelief, a mixture of loyalty and disloyalty, all trying to compete for your heart. God wants us to be wholehearted, singular in our heart, in our mind looking to God and saying, Lord, show me where I stand before you. Because he said, King, God wants you to stop disobeying. That's what it means to break off your sins. Stop disobeying God and stop it by righteousness, by obeying God, by doing what God says. That's what repentance is. We think revival is, is, is something that is so spectacular and, and God does move and manifest himself. But the ultimate goal of revival is not evangelism. That's a byproduct. That's a fruit of revival. But revival is when God's people simply come back to God. It's a fresh return to truth. We stop disobeying and we start obeying. Lord, I'm wrong. That's sin in my life. It is, and I'm sorry, and I see it, and I want you to forgive me. I don't want to miss this moment to repent and make it right. Perhaps God is speaking to someone today, and I'm struggling, and, and I'm wavering, and I'm weary in this, but there comes a point where God says, hey, I've given you this space of grace, this room to make it right. Don't miss it. The time will come when your sin 
will dilute your true heart commitment. It'll deceive you. It'll destroy you. Don't miss it. Don't wait till it's too late to repent, to humble yourself, and to turn back to God. Number three, recognize God's power to change you because God can bring good out of bad. I've preached this so often. Turn over to the book of Job, or Joel, rather. If you go past Daniel, you'll find Hosea, and then you'll find Joel. Joel chapter 2. The purpose of Joel's prophecy is to turn the nation back to God in preparation for the coming great day of the Lord. The people were being plagued by locusts. God is saying through his prophet, now this is where you are. This is a dark day. It's a gloomy day. It's a sorrowful day. It is bad. But you don't have to stay here and this will not be your end because for the people of God, there's always a future. There's always a hope. God is going to say to them, I'm going to restore your crops and I'm going to give you food in abundance. Now get this. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. Do you see that? God says, I'm going to restore your crops and I'm going to give you food in abundance. Verse 26, and you shall eat in what? Plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. Now you sinned, you erred, and I had to deal with your sin. And the way I dealt with it is I sent a plague of locusts and that got your attention. (laughs) You were hungry. When I got your attention, you started to cry out to me. But I want to remind you that when you always humble yourself before me and turn back to me, I hear your prayer. I hear your cry. I am a God in heaven who will show you mercy. Now, God wants us to believe this and embrace this this morning. Do you believe that God can make your life better than it was before your setback, your sorrow, even a time of chastening in your life? This is not about reliving your past. It's about realizing your future. God says that he wants to give us an expected end. That word expected means that when we come to the end of ourselves, at the end of our cord or rope of hope even in our lives, the thing that we long for is still before us. The residue of our life, the latter ending of our life is the time wherein God can still bless an expected end. Someone to live for yet, something to look forward to yet. It's not over. God has a future for us. We move from the emotion of looking back to the devotion of looking forward. I like what the songwriter said. Pick up the broken pieces and bring them to the Lord. Pick up the broken pieces. Trust in his holy word. He will put them back together and make your life complete. Just place the broken pieces at the Savior's feet. I love where you're at today. I can tell you this, if you're a child of God, you are at the mercy of an all-merciful God. He's giving you a space of grace for a fresh start, a new beginning. 
by a fresh return and obedience to his word. Will you recognize what God is doing? Will you make the most of this time? I think about how God can make our lives feel to overflowing. You know, there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. It's because we're to spend more time looking where we're going than where we've been. If you look in the rearview mirror too much, you'll run off the road and make a mess of your life. Look forward by faith to what God has for you and your future. Don't miss it. God blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. What is God dealing with you about today? Oh, I think about what God is saying. All the sorrows, all the disappointment, all the loss of yesterday. I can make these days so full to overflowing that those days fade in the rearview mirror of your life. I mean, do you believe that? If our church would believe that individually and as a whole, we'd all take heart, we'd be revived, we'd be stirred. We'd be excited about, okay, where do we go from here, Lord? What do you have yet? What fresh start and new beginning do you have? After raising 10 children night and day, for 33 years, Rebecca was battling what is called the empty nest syndrome. We've talked about it many times. I asked her if I could share this with you. God put this in her heart to put away the baby pictures of our children. I didn't understand that. She took them down, put them all away. She said, I could not look at them. It killed me every time I saw them. So I started putting up pictures of our adult children and our grandchildren. She said, I could not live looking back. I had to live looking ahead. Now look what God has given us so far. You see that? All of these grandchildren with more on the way. I was praying the other day. It's like the Lord witnessed with my heart. These grandchildren are going to need a, a grandpa who's praying for them, who's right with God. You better keep your eyes on the Lord and you better keep going. There's a future ahead. Isn't that right? I don't know what God has for you. I don't know what God is trying to deal with you about. But the devil is a master in convincing you that it's over. You're finished. You'll never rise again. And if you do, your life will never be what it once was or what it could have been. Boy, have I heard those taunts. But you know what God is reminding me of? Hey, don't stop there. My life will never be what it could have been. No, your life is going to be what it could never have been had I not allowed you to go through what you've gone through. I'm still your God. And I teach you in the way that I choose. Humble yourself. Submit. Believe me. Trust me fully. I can rebuild your life. I can rebuild your home. I have a future for you yet. Embrace it by faith. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. 
Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.